It's the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Continuing in our in our series called Dwell, I found it incredible so far. Has anyone else been engaging with it? I thought Richard did a, brought a brilliant word last week, cat the first week as well. But this week we have um, a member of the Roseblade family, not the one you're most used to seeing up here. I teach us about his lovely wife, uh, Zoe. Round of applause for Zoe. It's uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, we're all for you, aren't we not? We're all for her, so it'll be great. Uh, we'll continue to pray for you, but can I pray for you now? Is that all right? Father, I just thank you for Zoe, Lord. I thank you for your words, and I thank you, Lord, that this um, is about you, Father, that you will speak through your word. Your word is alive and active, and it cuts straight through to the bone and the marrow of our soul, Father. So we just pray this morning that you will use your word powerfully, that we will yield to it, that any obstacles or anything that might be in the way of us hearing your word this morning will be taken out of the way. Father, come and speak to us through Zoe. Just anoint her. Now, Lord, give her the words to say. Father, thank you for the preparation that she's put in. Lord, may you be blessed through the blessing of your word this morning. In your name. Amen. Hit the microphone. <laughs> Good morning. How are we doing? Good. I've had a very lovely start to my Sunday morning. I got to drive to church by myself, uh, which hasn't happened for a well, probably a few years. <laughs> um, so that was lovely and peaceful. No noisy three boys in the back of the car. Um, so that was a peaceful start to my day. Adam's managed to get three children to church on time. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> but, <laughs> bit of role reversal this morning. Um, we still consider ourselves fairly new around here. So if I haven't met you, hello. It's, uh, it's been lovely to meet uh, so many of you already. Um, and we are really excited. I just want to take this moment to say thank you so much uh, to all those of you who've been praying for our house move. We are really hoping and believing that we are going to exchange this week, which is really excited and really exciting. And uh, yeah, yeah, good, good glory for that. And uh, we can't wait to be locals. That's going to be great. Do pray for Adam because I've turned into some sort of crazy lady with the packing. Adam can't find anything. It's chaos. And I uh, keep uh, telling the boys to eat all sorts of random food in a bid, bid to use up everything that's in the cupboards. So it's, it's crazy. Today's uh, message feels quite live for me today. It's been a bit of a, a full-on week. Uh, just lots of little small things that keep building up and have distracted me a little bit. And uh, I've had to put into practice this message about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. So as uh, Jim already said, we're in our, our third week of this series called Dwell, all about dwelling uh, with Jesus. And we've been looking at the invitations. And two weeks ago, Kat uh, shared with us, she talked about unburdening our souls, casting our cares upon Jesus and finding rest. And last week we heard, we heard from Richard, and he shared with us the invitation to come and drink for rivers of living water to flow through us. 
And so today, before we get through onto our, our main passage, I want us to look at an invitation uh, highlighted uh, by Jesus in John 1, verse 39. Here we have John the Baptist. He's been preparing the way. And um, he sees Jesus passing by and he declares that he is the Lamb of God. Two of his disciples turn around and they start following Jesus. And they say to him, where are you staying? And Jesus gives this wonderful invitation in reply, which I believe applies to all of us today as well. And he says, come and see. Or another version puts it, come and see for yourself. You get this picture of intimacy, of friendship, of, of Jesus saying, come in closer. And isn't that true for, for us too this morning, that Jesus says, come and see. And the end of the verse says, of verse 39, it says, they spent the rest of the day with him. That sense of friendship. And, and Jesus invites us too, doesn't it? It says in Psalm 34, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. This morning, we, just, we don't just have to believe what someone else's experience of God has been or what someone else tells us about who God is or what he's like. This morning, the invitation is unique and it's individual for each one of us as well this morning to come and see who God is. No matter how long we've known him, we can have this deepening, ongoing friendship with God by coming and seeing who he is. Isn't it good news that the only requirement for a deeper friendship with God is showing up with a heart open and ready to receive. And I want to read this invitation this morning in the story of Mary and Martha. I don't know about you, but I hugely relate to this story. Thank you, Sharon, for reading it. In such a busy world, the invitation to come and see, it sometimes gets muddled up in a whole heap of distractions, can't it? And unintentionally, it ends up lower down our list of priorities. As Kat encouraged us to think about two weeks ago, I wonder how many of us have answered that question, how are you, with busy? We're good, but it's just so busy. And we're all busy doing something, aren't we? But it's about what and who we're busy with. That's important as we can learn from Mary and Martha. So we're going to have a quick look at the context of this passage. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem here. He's ultimately headed to the cross. And on his way there, he passes through Bethany, which is home to Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And John 11 tells us that they were close friends of Jesus, that they were inner circle people. Jesus was someone who consistently had crowds clambering for his attention, wasn't he? And I wonder how many people would have loved to have had him as a guest in their house. I find it encouraging that Jesus wanted to hang out with ordinary people, with families that didn't quite have it all together. And I gather it was likely that Jesus was, had the disciples with him as well. So that's 13 people turning up at their house for dinner. That's probably enough to make me get in the kitchen and prepare as well. I wonder what you would do if Jesus showed up at your house for dinner. They didn't have WhatsApp or Facebook to give prior notice of their arrival. Maybe it's likely that Mary and Martha didn't know that he was coming. I think maybe it's your fine china kind of event rather than your plastic uh, cups and plates. And here we've got two sisters. We've got Mary, not to be confused with the mother of Jesus, or Mary Magdalene, and we've got Mary, uh, his sister, her sister Martha. Now, we don't know this, but I'm guessing that Martha was the older sibling. I am an older sibling in my family, and I identify with some of the traits. 
She carries the responsibility, doesn't she, on behalf of the siblings, but she's pretty bossy. So I think my siblings might agree about me. And hospitality is important, isn't it? Particularly in this culture. But it's also mentioned several times throughout the Bible that Jesus' people should be hospitable. So it's not all bad being a Martha. Martha's busy in the kitchen whilst Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. And you can just imagine Martha's frustration rising, can't you? And then she bursts and questions Jesus. Don't you care? Tell her to help me. And as I read this passage... I don't know about you, but I so often I feel that struggle. I want to worship like Mary, but Martha keeps bossing me around. How do we juggle work and worship? So just got five verses here. I think there's so much in this in the story. I've just got three points for us to consider this morning. The first is living counterculturally. The invitation to come and see by sitting at the feet of Jesus, by fixing our eyes on him, it's not yet a normal way for, to live in this society, is it? Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, it wasn't a usual role for a female in her culture. She was gutsy, not lazy as maybe Martha thought. And she's made the sacrifice because she knows Jesus is worth her sacrifice. And time with Jesus can often be hard to fight for, can't it? Why? It requires that sacrifice. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus didn't happen by accident. It was an active decision, just like we too need to day in, day out, make that active decision to sit at his feet. And maybe sometimes we don't because we're worried, a bit like Martha. Will will people think we're being lazy? Do we feel like we're being self-indulgent by taking that time out? Mary here, she's a picture of discipleship. You can imagine her listening to every word. She's captivated by Jesus. Her attention is fixed on him. I'm guessing that she feels calm and peaceful and content, that she's submitted and she's surrendered to him. She's gone against the grain of her society and her culture. She's living for another kingdom. So my first challenge for us this morning, I wonder if we are prepared to go against the grain of our society to make the sacrifice to live differently, to look different, to accept that maybe people might think we're being a bit lazy by taking that time out to sit at his feet. Second point is, are we a devoted worshipper or a distracted worker? Martha here, she's distracted and she's worried by the cares of preparing this meal. I know I'm much more of a Martha than a Mary. Is there any other Marthas in the room today? My own good company. I feel for, for Martha in the story, and I, I want Jesus to commend her for our hard work. If I had Jesus and the disciples coming over to my house for a meal, I think I'd be a bit distracted. I think I'd be wanting to focus on preparing the meal. And do you know what? I'd be a bit cheesed off if Adam sat in the, in the lounge, not lifting a finger, to be honest. It's easy to empathise with Martha, isn't it? It is frustrating when we work hard only to see others around us not lifting a finger. But here, Jesus goes straight to the symptoms of the problem. She's anxious and troubled. We, we can think they're the problem, but actually they're symptoms of a heart problem. Doesn't much of our busyness and our distraction, it comes from good and noble 
intentions, doesn't it? We want to be purposeful with our time. We want to be using our time for good things. And we need Martha's in the church. We need our communities to be welcoming and well-functioning places. And James says to be doers of the word and not only hearers. So it's not all bad doing, but if we don't take time to be still and to sit at the feet of Jesus, then we're likely to end up like Martha, anxious, troubled, serving without love and without joy. See, the problem isn't the serving, is that she's worried and distracted, which is preventing her from being present and serving joyfully. I wonder if you've ever been out for a meal and to a restaurant and maybe the waiter or the waitress, they've met all your needs, they've brought you your drinks, the the food's come quickly and it's hot, they've answered any questions you've had, they've asked if they can do anything to help, but maybe they've done it in a bit of a rude way. They've done it without a smile, they've been grumpy, maybe they don't seem like they care. Because I think the reality is that good service with a bad spirit is bad service. And isn't that the same with our serving? That the spirit that we serve with matters. Jesus doesn't fault the serving, he faults the spirit. How do we keep serving God joyfully with a good spirit? We fix our eyes on him. Our serving must come from a place of rest, from a place of intimacy with God, having sat at his feet and fixed our eyes on him. I wonder if anybody else has ever felt like they are just too busy serving God to be with him. I know I have, and I know that I've, I've missed, those, missed the point in those moments. When I feel that Martha in me rising up and saying, God, look at all the things I'm doing for you. It's time to go back and sit at his feet. Because it's easy to confuse being busy on our feet for Jesus with being busy at the feet of Jesus. Being close to Christianity is not the same as being close to Jesus. And you know, this morning we're called to be worshippers before workers. It's been great to stretch and grow, hasn't it, in our expression of of worship, to be dwelling with Jesus both in our private places and corporately together. As a busy mom, I know that I so often can just be so busy serving my kids. I can be doing their washing, putting meals on the table, cleaning the house, doing the school admin, booking appointments. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? And those things are all needed and they're necessary. But sometimes it can get in the way of what they really want from me. Mom, mom, watch me, watch me, as they do some sort of acrobat on the floor. Can you play with me? How do I do this? Or many, many of the daily questions that happen. One of this week's was, Mom, how do radiators work? Tempted to waffle something about convection currents and then said, I think you need to ask your dad. (laughs) They want my attention. They want me away from the distractions with my undivided attention. And you know, when when I'm distracted, it's when I might miss them wanting to say something really important or wanting to ask some of life's really big questions. And isn't that like with Jesus? If we don't take that time to be with him, then maybe we might miss something that he wants to share with us. Have you noticed in God's kingdom, when we take time to be with him first, I actually get more done, more efficient, 
We're more fruitful. We have a better attitude. Our, our whole perspective changes. We view people differently. Our heart is more in line with his, and we serve joyfully, which all sounds good, doesn't it? So that second challenge is, am I serving from a place of rest? Is there anything I need to fast or give up to make space to be with God first? Colossians 3 verse 24 says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. In our workplaces, in our friendships, in our homes, in caring for the elderly, or wherever we find ourselves, who are we serving? And are we working as if for the Lord? Third point this morning, choosing the eternal over the urgent. I can so often find myself in a place where I We'll say, I'm going to have that God time that I know I need. I know I want that God time, but I'm just going just to get done the really urgent things. But experience has told me there will always be urgent stuff that needs doing. It's my priorities that need realigning to establish that pattern where I can inhale before I exhale, where I can le- live and love out of the overflow of all that God um, has done in, my, in me. Mark 6, 31, the words of Jesus say, come away with me to a secluded place and get some rest. What an invitation. And there are seasons in our lives where this is easier to do than others, aren't there? And some seasons that require extra creativity in in seeking out that new way of being with Jesus in that new season. Adam's already briefly mentioned a bit about this, but last year in our, our waiting season, we had these two mornings a week where we blocked them out for being with Jesus together. We had our middle one, we had some nursery hours. Our oldest was in school and our, our youngest was a, just a newborn and mostly slept, which was great. And so we were able to block these out in our diaries. And, you know, Adam's much more of a, a Mary character, so that he was there. He was ready. He was focused to do what we set out to do. I'm much more of a Martha character. And so it was embarrassing how many times, even though there was nothing else blocked in, I'd say, I'll be there, I'm just going just gonna to get that load out of the washing machine. I'm just going to empty the dishwasher. I'm just going to finish that email, then I'm there. But do you know what time? At the feet of Jesus. It's always worth it, isn't it? I look back on that season, and I, I'm, I'm so grateful for it. It was so valuable. Because it was there that I learned to truly sit and to be with him to make space and not just fill it. It was there that I, I learned down how to lay down all that I have and all that I am. It was there that I realised that his love truly does cast out all fear, that we can trust him, that he is worth our sacrifice. It built trust and we clung to those words that God whispered to us at that time. And that season was special because we were able to give God those two mornings a week and now we're back at work, both of us working. And we don't have that same amount of time, but it's always about quality of time, isn't it? Not just quantity. Our weeks, our workloads, our schedules, they will all look different. In our house, it's very rare for it to be quiet or still, but so precious when we can find Jesus, even in the chaos. We can still our hearts, even if we can't still our surroundings. Our society is full of hectic schedules, isn't it? Relentless pursuit of productivity. We can measure our worth by how much we get done or how busy we are. If you're like me, how much you can tick off the to-do list. But it's no substitute for doing what is best 
essential and eternal. I'm learning that living room intimacy with Jesus that Mary enjoyed, it won't come out of the busyness of Martha's kitchen. Do we spend more time in the kitchen or the living room? Mary shows us the value in sitting, in loving, in listening, in learning at the feet of Jesus with our eyes fixed on him. Allowing ourselves to receive before we give out. So the third challenge, do I choose the eternal over the urgent? Which kingdom am I living for? And do I pursue resting at the feet of Jesus before everything else? I wonder how we feel we're doing with that at the moment, at spending time dwelling in the presence of God. I'm sure there's room for all of us to grow, to realign ourselves, to reevaluate our daily habits, to remind ourselves to sit at the feet of Jesus, to accept that invitation to come and see. Because the truth is, this morning, Jesus' arms, they're wide open. He longs for you and I to come and to get to know him more, to find out what's on his heart, giving him time to speak and understanding to a greater degree who he is and who I am. I think one of the key things I feel like God is teaching me in the moment this busy season is that I can do the Martha thing in a merry way. The two can become one because really it's about the heart. Our work can be, our serving can be our worship when it's done with a merry heart. We've read Matthew 11 a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, but I just wanted to read it from the message version. It says this, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. The unforced rhythms of grace. That sounds restful, doesn't it? It doesn't sound like striving or stressing because life is just too busy. And Jesus wasn't crazy busy. He had time for everyone. In the middle of a storm, he slept. And I'm not sure that any of us have any more responsibility than Jesus, saving mankind from their sin. He trumps our responsibilities, doesn't he? He trumps our busyness. And yet he still made time to be with the Father. He's worth making time for. Let's keep company with Jesus. I pray that we might be a community that fix our eyes on Jesus, to sit at his feet, living counterculturally, becoming devoted worshippers and prioritising the eternal. The words of the wonderful hymn, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As I finish, maybe the worship team want to come forward. I've been praying, I felt like God has said that maybe there might be someone or some people here this morning that maybe you feel like you need to do to earn God's love. Maybe that's how it's been with your earthly parents, that it's been about your 
or your achievements or your serving or your hard work that has earned the love of your parents. And maybe that's how you feel like you've approached God as well. And I just want to say this morning that nothing you can do will ever make God love you anymore. Because it's not about what we do. It's what about Jesus has already done. You this morning are more loved than you will ever know. You are seen. You belong. And I believe that God wants to show you more of his everlasting, unconditional love for you today. If that's you, please do find someone um, afterwards to pray with. I'd love to pray with you. I know the prayer team would or find someone near to you. And I wonder if there are maybe others of us that have lost the joy in our serving. Maybe we need to remember who we are serving by spending time with him again. Maybe that labour of love has just become labour and we've lost the love. Maybe we feel burnt out or tired or just disinterested. Maybe work feels hard without thanks or caring for those relatives feels relentless. Maybe you've been investing in a relationship that hasn't yet borne any fruit. Maybe you feel underappreciated at home or maybe even your service in the church has started to feel like a slog. And maybe we've convinced ourselves that the solution is just not to serve. But I want to suggest that maybe the solution isn't to give up, but to sit at the feet of the one who we serve and fall in love with him again, rediscovering joy in whatever we're doing.